0: It's great to see you all, whether you're here worshipping with us in the building or worshipping online. It's great to to come together this morning. A particularly warm welcome if you are a a visitor or a newcomer here for the first time. It's great to to have you with us. And just to say, we're coming to the end of our series in 1 John this morning, which I hope you found helpful. And to conclude, Colin's going to be speaking on the final passage this morning under the heading, Confidence and Certainty. Of believers? How do we keep going in the Christian faith? And one of the verses uh, from the passage is this it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Well, given our our sinful nature, we don't deserve a hearing. But the reason God hears us and answers our prayers, the reason he accepts our worship, is because his son dealt with our sin, reconciled us to him, and is now interceding for us. So we're going to pray to our Father now, through Jesus Christ. Let's come together as we start our service. Dear Father, we do thank you for... The privilege of gathering together this morning to meet with you. We know that you are a, a holy God. We are not worthy to come into your presence, but we, we thank you that because Jesus died in our place, because he dealt with our sin, you welcome us. You listen to us. You long to bless us with all the riches of heaven. So we pray for us this morning for those maybe struggling under a burden of anxiety. pressure or guilt as we come to you in our need. May you take away our worries, give us strength to cope with our struggles, and forgive us for our sins. And fill us anew with the joy of knowing that in Jesus our eternal future is secure. In his name we pray. Amen.
1: This morning's readings from 1 John chapter 5 verses 13 to 21, and that's page 1,228 in the Church Bibles. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. And the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols.
0: Thanks, Debs.
2: Uh, Before we come to God's word together, let's pray. Father God, we want to echo the words of the song which we just sang, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, that we would look full in his wondrous face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When it, um, when it comes to the, the challenges of today, uh, many people uh, say that they face many challenges uh, in the workplace. Um, people just find it very hard to just keep going. Uh, with the increasing pressure in, in everyday life, uh, the discussion of burnout is never really far from people's lips. One recent article uh, online looking at workers in the UK this year, it said that two-thirds of full-time employees have either gone through or been very close to uh, burnout at some point in their careers. And workplace burnout is becoming ever more uh, common, uh, with more women uh, suffering from it uh, to a a greater extent. The challenge is that really everyone wants to keep working, and wants to keep going in their job, but there are immense pressures upon them. There's increased hours of work, there, are, there is a lack of support depending on which role and which job you are in. And so many are really struggling just to keep going. As whether you're in a workplace, whether you're at school, or maybe you're at home with young children, or perhaps you're just in the later years of your life, you're retired, maybe with others, living with others, or living by yourself. Sometimes the greatest achievement that we have is just to get through the day, to just keep going. And when it comes to the Christian life, that can be our struggle too, to not quit and just move forward. And so how can we keep going as believers? How can we keep going when life is hard? Because life can get very hard at times, can't it? How do we persevere? Well, as we look at this final part in the letter of 1 John today, we'll see that we can keep going, that we can persevere. Because we can keep going in the Christian life because we are firstly confident of eternity. As uh, Debs read to us, uh, John closes his letter and he tells his listeners uh, that he wants them to be confident. As he says, I write these things to you who believe in the, the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Interestingly, when you look at the the end of the Gospel of John, uh, who many would agree wrote uh, 1 John, uh, he tells us why he, he wrote the Gospel of John. He says that these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. The difference between the purpose of the Gospel of John and the letter of 1 John is very subtle but important. Uh, The Gospel of John, uh, the motivation for writing it is really evangelistic. And so maybe if you have friends who are not Christians, you might give them uh, the Gospel of John to read for that reason. It is to say that by believing in Jesus as the Son of God, you may have life in his name. It's by believing in him that you have life. However, the motivation for, for one John, the whole letter really, the driver of it all, is to give assurance to give us assurance that by believing in Jesus, that we can be confident that we have eternal life. As you you look at the the tense in the verses, it's not that you will one day receive eternal life. It's that you already have it. It's already yours. You have eternal life right now in Jesus. But, People may turn round and say, how arrogant. How arrogant to say that, that you know that you can be certain that you go to heaven. And in history, this is one of the main arguments raised during the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church of the day condemned the doctrine of assurance, claiming it is arrogant, that it is arrogant to, to teach that you can be sure Because they would say that no one can really be sure in this life. But the point of the Reformation was not to rely on traditions or maybe what we thought to be true, but to go back to the Bible. As if we know that we have eternal life, then it breaks the chains of guilt and shame in our life. We no longer have to prove ourselves worthy. Jesus makes us worthy. He liberates us. He liberates us from despair, from the despair of thinking that we haven't done enough. And he liberates us from the pride of thinking that we are better than others. The gospel liberates us because we're not confident of heaven because of what we have done. We're confident of heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. As at the end of verse 20, he says that Jesus, that he, he, that is Jesus Christ, is the true God and eternal life. As eternal life is only found in Jesus. To know Jesus is to know life. In that sense, we need not wait until heaven uh, to have an experience of heaven. But when we trust in Jesus today, then we can have a taste of the rest that Jesus offers us, that God offers us. As he offers us eternal life. It takes us away from the idea that somehow we need to, we need to pay back God. We need to pay him in some way to enter into heaven. When it comes to to payment, I don't know if you've, if some of you have uh, credit cards. Uh, I've got a, a BA credit card to pay for holidays to try and collect points for flights. I realized that I didn't even have enough credit on one Uh, on my credit card to, to allow me to buy one little BA plastic plane never mind a plane ticket I'm hoping for that plane one day but it's much like that with the image of heaven isn't it we don't have the points we don't have the points to pay in fact the only thing that we can present to God are our debts but wonderfully he forgives us our debts as we forgive our debtors And so we can be confident because through faith in Jesus, we have a confidence in heaven. And so we can keep going. We can keep going because we're confident of tomorrow. And as a result of that, we can be confident in prayer. As Nathan mentioned earlier, one of of the evidences that we belong to the Lord is that we have a new sense of boldness towards him in prayer. As John says from verse 14, to 15 this is the confidence we have in approaching god that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we ask of him it means that when we when we pray to god in accordance with his word the bible then we can be sure that that he does hear us last sunday we looked at psalm 46 together And it describes how the Lord is the Lord Almighty and how through Jesus we can draw close to him, that we can pray to him. And during the time, uh, Rob, uh, let us uh, think about uh, four specific ways in which we can pray uh, to God. Uh, The four L's, if you like, four L's being list, like a shopping list, leave, listen and linger, list, leave, listen and linger. It is to say that we, when we come to God, we can write up a list of prayers to him. We can write down all the things that are on our hearts and present them to him. But perf- before we perhaps feel a little bit overwhelmed by that long list, we can leave them before him because he knows what's on our hearts anyway. And it's only then that we can listen to God, listen to him, and be mindful of where he's leading us and guiding us in prayer by his spirit before lastly lingering in his presence, waiting upon the Lord in prayer. We do this knowing that God hears our prayers, that we're confident of that. And we can pray for ourselves, but we can also pray for others as God hears us and we intercede for them. And we should especially pray for those who are on our hearts, maybe those who are, who are not walking as they should with the Lord and are perhaps drifting away from him. And that is what what John mentions here in verse 16 through 17. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. When we first read these, perhaps they seem to contradict themselves. It seems to contradict what has gone before. Is he saying we shouldn't pray for certain sins or certain people? Or, Or more importantly, that if we commit certain sins, then that will lead us to death and in some way to lose our salvation. Is he really saying that? What is going on? Well, if we read this without the context of the whole letter of 1 John, then, then we might jump to the conclusion that there are different levels of sin. And that is, in Roman Catholicism, what they would call mortal and venal sins. That is, that venal sins are seen as the little sins. They're seen as the little ones like maybe lying or gossiping or, or, or envying someone. Whereas mortal sins are, might be graded, if you like, as the more serious sins. Sins like, like murder or adultery or theft that would send you straight to hell unless you paid a, a certain penance to come out. But understanding it in that way really is to, it's to ignore the context of the letter. John is not, he's not speaking about that. He's not speaking about the levels of sin. But rather he is speaking about these false teachers. He's speaking about what they teach, teachers who say that, that Jesus is not fully human and that he is not fully divine, that you do not need to live a holy life to be a Christian. And he, they would also deny that Jesus' work on the cross doesn't, that is not sufficient to pay for our sins. These are the people, really, that John is referring to when he's saying, I'm not saying you should pray about, about that. As God he, the Lord won't forgive those people who do not believe in Jesus. And therefore, they can have no confidence of heaven. That's the point. These false teachers have no confidence of heaven because they do not believe in the true Jesus. Instead, he says, if you see a brother or a sister in the Lord, if they are, if they are drifting away from God and living in sin, then you should pray for them. And the Lord will give them life. As earlier in the letter in chapter 1, John says in chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As ultimately, it is the Lord who forgives. It is the Lord who works in people's hearts to change them. And so the first thing, as we heard earlier, the first thing we should do when we see someone maybe in need or maybe drifting away from the Lord is to pray for them, to pray for them, to pray that the Lord would help them, and if they are living in sin, that the that the Lord would work in their hearts to draw them back to Himself. Because we know that God hears our prayers. And so we can persevere because we are confident of eternity, we're confident in prayer, and lastly, because we are confident in what we know. We're confident in what we know. Throughout John's letter, he speaks about about truth quite often. He wants his listeners to, to really be grounded in what they know to be true, because this is the thing that will give them confidence. As he says from verse 18 to 20, he says, we, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. As John comes to close his letter, he wants to reassure his readers of what is true. As you see there in verse 18, verse 19, and verse 20, he repeats the phrase, We know, we know, we know, we know. As the false teachers who do not believe, they do not know. They do not know these truths, and therefore they can have no confidence. But for all those who believe, for all those who are trusting in Jesus, we can have confidence. As John says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin it means that really if we are born of God, born again by the Spirit of God, then it will change our lives. There will be a transformation taking place in our hearts. It means that if we're truly born of God, then the, the Spirit of God will change us. He will transform us to make us more like his son. Our, our life will change because the one, as it says, the one born of God, that is Jesus Christ, well, he will change us. He will keep us, keep us from the evil one who in other parts of the Bible is described like a, a lion prowling around looking for prey. But the Lord Jesus keeps us. And when we know we've been born of God, made new by him, then our, our lives will change because we know what is true. And secondly, we, we know, the second part of what we know is that we become children of God of God. Children no longer ruled by the devil, but ruled by the Lord. And as Christians, that really is our primary identity, that we are children of God. In a world where people are looking to make their own identity, looking to choose who they are, as followers of Jesus, our primary identity is that we are children of God. It is not that we are Retired, it's not that we are a student, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, an employee, a boss, a director, employed, unemployed. Those things are not our true and primary identity. Who we are is a ch- child of God. But we can rest in that. We can rest in who we are. As John says in chapter 3, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. As a child of God, you can come to your heavenly Father in prayer knowing that he hears you, he loves you, and he cares for you. And the third and last we know in verse 20 points to the truth that Jesus has come to bring us understanding. That Jesus has, in an act of sovereign grace, just revealed himself to us that we would know him. And perhaps when you think about getting into heaven, uh, the image of maybe sitting an exam comes to mind. That maybe you just need to study, work hard, hope for the best, and maybe, possibly, you'll have done enough to pass. I remember at the end of my first semester in uh, university, I was sitting exams, and we all walked out of the exam room together, and one of my friends broke the unwritten rule talking about the exam immediately afterwards. And he said to me, that, that question four, that was pretty tough, wasn't it? What did you write for that? To which I said, there was a question four. Yeah, he said it was on the back. Oh, okay. Right. I did pass, by the way. But <laughs> but in a sense, maybe we think that is how things work with God. That maybe maybe you, you do your best, but you're just not sure. Maybe you've missed something. Maybe you haven't done enough. Because you may think, you know, I'm just not sure. But the beauty of the gospel is that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have confidence of eternal life. And knowing Jesus, you can be confident of that and have rest. As one theologian says, as we study scripture and come to Jesus, it should lead us to rest in the Father's heart. As to know Jesus is to know rest. To know him is to know rest. When you know this truth in your heart, it will change your life. And that is really what John's closing plea is in the very last verse. As he says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. He wants his listeners to firstly remember who they are children, children of God, children of their heavenly Father. And secondly, As one translation of this verse says, he wants them to to keep away from anything that might take God's place in their hearts. Because for for many of us, perhaps the greatest temptation is not really that we would deny who Jesus is as divine and as human. Maybe the, the, the challenge that we face is to live a holy life in a very unholy world. As John writes in chapter 2, he says that everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so the question is, how do we keep our hearts from idolatry? How do we keep ourselves straying? How do we keep away from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Um, In one sense, we we should take practical steps, do practical things that help us, like putting limits on how and when we use our phones or our computers, making wise choices on where we go or where we don't go. We should pursue good Christian friendships that encourage us in the Lord, encourage us in our walk with Jesus. All those things are really good and fundamental to the Christian life. We want to encourage one another. But there is something more. In my own life recently, I read uh, a short little book uh, of an old sermon. It's entitled uh, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection, written or preached by Thomas Chalmers. Uh, The blurb on the back, he says this, We know of no other way by which to keep the love of the world out of our hearts than to keep in our hearts the love of God. As Chalmers says in his message, he says, The heart must have something to cling to. Because really it is our hearts that drive us. What we love most is what we will do. Whether that is to, to love the Lord Jesus with all of our hearts, or to love something or someone else with all of our hearts. And maybe it's a lot like, if you like, the picture of a bathtub. If you think of what your heart is like, imagine if I was to ask you to try to remove all the air from the bathtub. Uh, it might be quite fun to watch, just for a few minutes, just as you try to remove all the air from the bathtub. And yet, after a while, you realise it is quite pointless, because the air that you remove is then taking place, takes its place with with more air from something else and so it's really the same with our walk with Jesus as well no matter how hard you may try to scoop things out of your life the things that you really love will come back into your life other loves will take their place and so as we think about the bathtub how do you remove that you turn on the taps turn on the taps of the love of God in Jesus Christ, that the bath would be full to overflowing and that you would step into it and bathe in the love of God for yourself, that your heart would be full of Jesus Christ and that in that, that would transform you, that you would know the love of God as he lavishes his love upon you as a child of God and that your affections for Jesus would transform your whole life and therefore our hearts can really be transformed as the world looks strangely dim in light of the glorious grace of God one final question to leave you with to reflect on later how would being confident of eternal life change how we live today Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are amazed at your love for us. We deserve nothing from you, and yet you, in love, have given us your Son, that we can become your children, loved by you, the God of all things, who knows our every, every thought and feeling. all of our sins and and anxieties, that we can come to you and know that we are yours, that we have a confidence of eternity in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to, to know that in our hearts, not just in our heads, that our hearts would be full to overflowing with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.